So we're a couple of weeks into spring. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, spring is that time of year where my mind almost rushes ahead. I I know it's spring. I know it's still cold. There's still frost on the ground. But the sun comes out and, and there's new life kind of breaking forth. And so in my mind, spring is summer. And I know that's not the case, but, you know, I'm kind of like, yes, new season, we're there, the heat has come. And so last week, it was spring break, and so my family decided that we were going to enjoy spring break by getting out and going camping. Uh, We were going to go find a patch of land up on Crown Land, up near Harrison Lake, and we're going to camp because it's going to be glorious. Now, for locals... There's a good reason that most campsites are completely empty in spring. Uh, my, my kids kind of already are traumatized by this experience of ours because we spent about nine hours in the car trying to find a camp spot up near a little lake. Uh, we, we got so close. We were kind of five or so kilometers away from where I was hoping to get to. And on the final summit, as we got up to the peak, uh, we hit snow. And, and we were talking fresh snow. I'm like, this is spring. There's not supposed to be any of this white stuff on the ground. But yet, here we are. And, and I knew, I, you know, we can't get over this. We can't get in there. Uh, we know the weather's going to turn a little bit. So if we get snowed in, well, then, then we're in trouble. So we headed back down. Uh, and we found a campsite just outside Harrison. Now, that's why I say we drove nine hours. And we ended up one hour away from home. And it was less than ideal. Uh, the rain started one morning at 1 a.m., and I, I'm not talking just a light little drizzle. It was bucketing down. Uh, things were getting wet, and sort of at about, kind of, I guess, 8 or 9 in the morning, we're all still bundled up in our sleeping bags because the temperature hasn't changed. Uh, and, and so I kind of read the room in the tent and kind of make the comment, should we maybe pack up and head home a day early? And, and there was no kind of hesitation from the rest of the family Yes, Dad, we don't think you made a wise choice. We want to go home. So we went home. So clearly spring in B.C. means something very different. But spring is still just this incredible time. It's the, the change of seasons. We, we see the cherry blossoms uh, that, that are now breaking forth, much to the annoyance of those who are uh, east of the Rocky Mountains. But there's this change of season. There's this new life coming forth. It might still be cold. It might still be wet. Uh, but nature's seasons, the course of all of the seasons, remind us of life and how life continues and how we might go through different seasons, but it doesn't end in that way. And we might talk about spring of new growth and new life uh, kind of popping forth and bursting forth. Um, and we know that we go from spring into summer, uh, and that's that glorious time of the year where the sun sort of sets way later, and you can just enjoy barbecues in the summer evenings, head down to the beach, just enjoy life. Uh, and then, of course, after summer, we hit fall, that, that glorious golden time of the year where the leaves start to change color, and you still get some glorious sunny days. Yes, it's a little cool, uh, but, but it's just this beautiful time. 
And of course, from fall, we go into winter, uh, that cold, miserable kind of hunker down and stay indoors as much as possible. And I mean, I still remember our first winter here in BC and and our whole family, there were days we thought, is this ever going to end? Are we ever going to see the sun again? Now, I was told just before coming here that, don't worry, it doesn't snow all that much in White Rock. And our first winter was loosely termed Snowmageddon. Uh, But be that as it may, the seasons remind us of life. Uh, The seasons show us that life doesn't end that way. It it, it moves, it continues. So why do I talk about seasons on the Easter weekend? Well, I wonder if, in a sense, for the disciples, they didn't have the benefit of hindsight like we have. And and I wonder for them if that Good Friday, uh, the day that Christ was crucified, tortured, and and executed, and and there's this grotesque brutality to the day. And I wonder if for the disciples, that day didn't just feel like the worst winter imaginable. Uh, Just gray and gloomy and death. Uh, You know, the disciples, in a sense, packed up and went home. That's how terrible it was. And so all through that Saturday, there's, there's just no, no movement, no life. And we understand from the Passover practice that Sabbath Saturday would have been a slow kind of staying at home kind of day anyway. And so these disciples are, are down. They're disheartened. They're crushed. They're, they're broken and mourning the death of their Messiah, the, this supposed hero that they had longed for. And so there's this winter day on Good Friday. <laughs> Yet we who know the gospel, we who look back, Uh, can share with those disciples at Easter Sunday, at the Resurrection Sunday, when suddenly new life bursts forth. And so that now when we proudly or, or boldly declare He is risen, He is risen indeed. It's because we know the story. We know what happens and we celebrate If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to read a portion of Scripture from Luke 24, the the opening few verses of Luke 24, as we continue our journey through Luke, which we will end next Sunday. But for now, as we look at this resurrection on Easter Sunday morning, from Luke 24, reading verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared And went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Johanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. 
but they did not believe the woman because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. What indeed had happened. This empty tomb catches the disciples by surprise, and and it brings a new perspective, in a sense, to what they had experienced over that Easter weekend. And so for you and I today, as we read through this passage, though we know the story so well, it forces us again to consider and contemplate the empty tomb. What exactly does the empty tomb mean for us? As we engage with our Savior, crucified on Friday, buried, yet no longer in the tomb. What does this mean? Well, the first thing I think this empty tomb brings to us is it brings hope. Easter is about hope. Even in the midst of that story, even in the midst of crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, it teaches us about hope. You know, I I find it incredibly interesting that in a male-dominated society like first century Jerusalem, God allows the news, the the first telling, the witness accounts of Jesus' resurrection, God allows it to come from a group of women. Now, you and I may not fully appreciate that today, and and I'm grateful for that. But when we read through the details of the resurrection and and the story that's recorded for us in all four Gospels, they're a little bit different. And of course, that makes sense. When, When an event happens and multiple witnesses testify to that, there are always little details that are different. And and so we don't need to lose too much sleep over some of those differences. But the the one constant, the one consistent theme through all four gospel writers is that the first group of witnesses was a group of women. It's women who speak of what has happened. You know, sometimes people kind of engage with Scripture and they might disbelieve it. And they might go, no, no, there's no ways the Bible is, is real. It's all made up. You know, I kind of feel this is one of those facts that helps us realize it's not made up. This isn't fictional. If somebody in this time frame was trying to write something fictional or write something that wasn't true, there is no ways they would have allowed women to be the witnesses. Back in Jesus' time, women couldn't even serve as witnesses in a court. As far as the men were concerned, uh, they couldn't be believed. They couldn't be trusted. They weren't trustworthy as witnesses. And yet here, God chooses a group of women to bear witness, to be the testimony of an empty tomb. And so these men, uh, or or sorry, these angels who present this shocking message to these women. And there's that sense from them that as their hearts turn from fear, they turn to hope. As these angels recount scripture and recount what Jesus has said to them. And they start to realize, wait a minute, uh, this makes sense. This is what Jesus said. Verse verse 11 and 12 tells us of the reception these women get from the disciples. In verse 11, but they, the disciples, did not believe the woman. 
because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. You know, the, those early disciples discounted their testimony. But we don't know if they discounted it because they were women and, and they wouldn't believe them or trust them. Maybe they discounted it because it just seemed so far-fetched. It, it just didn't seem logical or reasonable that the tomb would now be empty. But Peter, Peter has this little glimmer of hope. And so Peter decides, I need to see this for myself. And Peter runs off. You know, J.D. Greer writes of this. He says, the men and women who went to bed in despair met the next morning with surprising hope. The same hope that is available to us today. If Jesus is alive, he can bring the dawn of resurrection into your life. As long as Jesus is alive, there is hope for you. And I agree with J.D. The 